house of the Lord with you this morning. If you're glad to be here, say amen. amen. Yeah, nice looking group today. Even, even nicer looking than last week, I don't know. So I want to I keep looking here in the Old Testament at Christ and some of the stories. We've looked at Adam and Noah and Abraham and Moses. And I want to culminate this series today looking at David and where we see some reflections of Christ in the life of David. But today's sermon is titled Belly Flop. Belly Flop. You know what I'm talking about when I say a belly flop? It's when you jump off of the side of the pool or you jump off of a diving board and your abdomen, belly, <laughs> hits the water. Pow. And it hurts. It stings. When I was growing up in the 80s and the 90s, we did everything that we could to avoid a belly flop. If I was jumping off the diving board, you might do a cannonball, you might do a dive, you might just jump in, but you did not want to do a belly flop. They are painful. Your belly gets red and you just avoid that. But I was talking to Shirley Racer after service last Sunday morning and he told me when he was growing up, and of course, you know, he had to reference his generation being uh, probably tougher than, than, than us, but he said when he was growing up that it was the in-style thing to do a belly flop. He said, we loved to do belly flops. Well, what I have found is the generation now like to do belly flops. So when I was at youth camp the last couple of summers, I kept hearing these chants, and I would watch the people dive or jump off and whatever, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, this cannot be what I'm thinking it is. But it sure is a belly flop, belly flop. You know, if I get up on the diving board to go in, belly flop, not on your life. <laughs> I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. But that has become the norm now, and they do these belly flops. Now, some people pull their knees up right at the last second, you know, as they're starting to hit the water. But that has become an intentional thing now. But I feel like sometimes in life, we can feel like we've had a, a belly flop. Right, And sometimes in life we can look at society around us and whether it is intentional, this could be debated I guess, intentional or unintentional, there are times in society when decisions are made that are not the right ones or when there's a belly flop or an embarrassment or a failure. Uh, sometimes in our lives we can feel that way as individuals. But this morning I want to talk about King Jesus. King Jesus. Jesus. Do you know that Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we see a story today the, that we're looking at it is David. And I preached a, a, a series of, about him, and I'm not going to get into too much detail about things we've already talked about, but David was promised by God a covenant, an agreement. It's called the Davidic Covenant. And it was a short-term covenant and a long-term covenant. And in the short term, God said to David, I'm going to establish your kingdom. I'm going to establish your kingdom over Israel here on this earth. But I'm also going to extend it to your family. And we see that, that David had great successes. David had some belly flop experiences like Bathsheba and the story of all that. But yet God established his kingdom and considered him a man after his own heart, and he extended there in the short term David's kingdom to his son Solomon. 
And David was a good king. Overall, he was a, a good king. But the Davidic covenant speaks to a king who will come from the lineage of David, one who was born in Bethlehem, the city of David. Who is that? Christ the Lord and Christ the King. And so many times we talk about Christ as our Savior. We talk about Christ as our Lord, but he's also the King of kings, the Lord of lords. In this Davidic covenant, when we start seeing that as we go into Christmas at NCOG and we start exploring the Christmas story, this baby who was born is a descendant of David. Is a descendant of David and it is a keeping of the covenant that God gave to David. We're going to look this morning of some principles, some provisions, and a lot of peace that come in knowing that Jesus Christ is the King of Kings. And the Lord of Lords. I want to look first at principles. Principles. We, we can look around us at society. Let me say from the get-go this morning, this sermon, as I've prepared it and it's been on my heart, this is not a political rally. And it's not a political sermon. So anything that you hear me say this morning, it's not political. There's no political intentions. It's just defining the reality of where we are and showing us that the true king who is in charge and who we need is Jesus Christ. But look with me at Deuteronomy 32 and 4. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are justice. We hear a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of words said these days. And a lot of people talking about justice. Justice. But can I ask us this morning, what is justice? Governments of this world, both past and present and those that will come in the future. Governments in this world, some of them, many of them, try their best to create laws and judicial systems and structures to have true, what we would call justice. Absolute truth. But can I tell us this morning that any, any human attempt falls short? Any human attempt falls short. In all of world history, all of current history, we could study the governments of all the nations that are past. We could study the governments of all the nations present. And none of them and none of us can create a system that is absolutely true and absolutely fair and that serves pure justice. But here is the good news. I see that we have a God whose ways are justice. When we look too much and get caught up too much in the rules and the laws and the regulations that man and mankind and our government even are trying to do, we can get frustrated and we can get disheartened. But as believers, we must remind ourselves that we live under a God who is totally and completely just. He is just. For all his ways are justice. A God of truth and without injustice. Righteous and upright is he. His work is perfect. And I want to tell us this morning... We might get frustrated when we see the events that are around us, but remind ourselves that Christ one day will reign as King of Kings. Just as we look at the Davidic covenant 
And we see that God promised David his kingdom. And then he said, your kingdom will have no ending. And it's going to bring forth, really, if I can paraphrase and just bring it out, the Messiah and his kingdom. God has kept that promise. God has kept that covenant. Christ came and Christ is the Savior. But God will totally fulfill that one day when Jesus Christ will rule and reign as King of kings and Lord of lords. What's the old song say? My Lord is coming back to earth again. My Lord is coming back to earth again. He will rule and he will reign. Jesus will reign as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And if my hope is too wrapped up in the rulers of this world or the midterm elections or who is elected in 2024 or who rules this country or that country, if I'm putting all my hope in those things, I'm going to not have much hope. But God is righteous. Jesus Christ has absolute truth. And he, above all else, is my king of kings. And one day, I'm looking for his ruling and his reigning. And my eyes are fixed on King Jesus. But can I tell you something personally and spiritually this morning? He's not just the king of kings, but he's the Lord of lords. And he can be the Lord over our individual lives in the here and in the now. Let me ask you this morning, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? And I hope that that everyone would say, amen, Pastor Greg, I have accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. But after accepting him and receiving his forgiveness, have we allowed King Jesus to be the Lord over our lives? Is that all right this morning? It's one thing to say I'm a believer, but am I allowing him to be the Lord over my life? Is he leading me? If he is leading me, I don't need to worry about anything else that's happening in society or around me. Is he leading me? Is he my Lord? Is he my number one? Does he call the shots in my life? The principles. Let's look at provision. Let's look at provision. When we think of provision, I think many times of this scripture, Philippians 4.19. Let's look at that scripture. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I walked through the grocery store the other day. That's a bad thing for somebody like me. And I know you're thinking because of the food part. I I, I know because you all think that I'm a big eater and I don't know why that you think that. I don't know why you would even imagine that. But walking through a grocery store for me might be bad because of that. But I also like to like uh, hold on to my money and you know pinch my pennies. And typically we do the online grocery order. You know, and what a relief that was. What a blessing that was. You don't have to walk through the grocery store anymore. You just put it in and then somebody goes and pulls out back and you call them and you pick it up. That was such a blessing, but now it's a hassle when you think, oh, I got to go pick it up. (laughs) That's how we are, isn't it? Now it's like, now you don't have to go and walk and spend an hour and stand in line, but oh my gracious, you you mean I got to go pick those up today? Ah, rats, you know. But I walk through the grocery store, don't do that very often. I don't even remember exactly why. And, And besides getting hungry and wanting to get everything to eat, of course, I started noticing the prices (laughs) Has anybody else noticed the prices? See, I've been immune to that because Donna does the grocery orders and I don't look at that. 
And I'm the type of person, if we go out to eat somewhere and if the bill is going to be a little bit higher, I don't want it to ruin what I just ate. And I'll say, I don't want to see it. You take it. Here's the debit card. I don't want to see what it was. And so I haven't been seeing the grocery order. I haven't been seeing the grocery prices. But I saw them the other day as I was walking through, and I was like, that cost that much, and that cost that much. And, 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 and inflation is real, isn't it? At the gas pump, when I put in gas, yesterday I was putting in some gas. You know what I did? I stopped at about $30 because I said, that's enough. <laughs> I just, that's just my passive aggressive way of trying my best. You know, I know, I know I'll have to fill up earlier because I didn't fill it all the way up. But I said, you know, it's just enough. <laughs> I'm done. But inflation has hit us. But my God shall supply all of my need. Not from the government stimulus package or not from a bill that will decrease inflation, but by his riches, what? In glory, through Christ Jesus our Lord. I could tell you story after story. We could pass this mic around the room and we could share stories about the provision of King Jesus in whose economy we live. We don't live in this economy. I know we feel it, but we live in his economy. I could pass around and you could tell us I remember when I was being called into full-time ministry and, and I was, we had a house there in, in Radford and we had a mortgage and, and I didn't know how everything was going to fall into place and, and, and I would pray and I would think, what are we going to do about this house and will we be able to sell it and, and financially I was going to be giving up a full-time job and all these things and one day the Lord was reminding me of a story of one of my friends who went into ministry and he was talking about how as he was going into ministry, he was, he was fasting one day. And a lady showed up at his door, a neighbor, and she had fixed him this big spread of food. Oh, that would make me shout if I were fasting, I'll tell you that. But he said he prayed about it, he took it in and he prayed and he, he felt that the Holy Spirit impressed him to go ahead and eat. And he felt like what the Lord was showing him that day was, I will provide for you. I'm your provision. Now this is my story. I was thinking about my friend and his story and I went into a place to eat there in Radford thinking about that very story. When I got up to leave, the bill had been paid for for my food. Somebody that's related to Donna that I probably wouldn't have recognized if they hadn't paid for my food. Wonderful people, but I just didn't know them very much. I left that day with an assurance. My God, Shall supply. Now you're saying, Pastor Greg, that was just a little, that was just a little breakfast meal that you had, right? But that was enough to show me that day, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory through Christ Jesus. I don't know what your need is today. You might feel a little stressed about the, the inflation, the economy, the grocery prices, the gas prices, the everything prices. But we live under God's economy. Somebody say amen this morning. God's economy is above it all. God's economy is above it all. God sent disciples to pull a fish out of the water to get a piece of coin out of their mouth to pay their taxes. Now some of you are going to go fishing this afternoon, aren't you? But we live in God's economy. We live under God's provision. 
And the Davidic covenant reminds us that when Christ rules and reigns, every need will be met perfectly. Can you imagine that time? Can you imagine living in the millennial reign when Christ is the king of kings ruling on this earth? That's scriptural. He'll be ruling during that time on this earth. And every need will be met 100% and it will be met perfectly. But right now with Christ as the Lord of my life, I can trust him that he will supply my needs as I follow after him and I put my trust in him. Let me talk about peace. We've talked about principles. We've talked about provision. Let's talk about peace this morning. Peace is freedom from disturbance. I don't know if I like that definition totally or not because I feel like that's the world definition. Freedom from disturbance is peace. But I feel like a Christian definition is there will be disturbance around us, but we can have peace on the inside through Christ. Let's look John 14, 27, a beautiful little passage that Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. It's not like the world gives, do I give to you, but let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I got up this morning, a little bit early, and just thinking, just praying a little bit, nothing, nothing heavy, Sometimes I get up and get back into the sermon and whatever, but I was just, I just want it, what's the word? Chill? Is that, is that the right word, to chill? Sort of. Look at the youth pastor to make sure I'm, he, he, he helped me stay um, relevant, right? That's a, but I just wanted to chill. I, I, I didn't want to like get into the sermon, I didn't, and I didn't really want anything heavy, you know, and so I turned the television on, and the first thing I turned on was a, a a news channel, and they were talking about overnight there had been a shooting out west. Like, what was it, four or five people killed and 18 or so injured. And, oh, okay, now I don't want to watch this. So I flipped over to another news channel, and they were talking about evidently there had been some kind of a stabbing of college students out, I think it was out west, that had happened a few days ago. And I thought, oh, well, that's not giving me any peace either. So then I thought, ESPN, Sports Center, Sports Center. I, I just need to relax right now. I, I go, I turned it, and I'm not kidding you, I turned it over to Sports Center, and they were showing parts of the memorial of the young men who had been killed this past week in Charlottesville. And I just turned television off. I was looking for peace, I was looking for something just to chill out. There's not a lot of peace around us, is there? When I think about the situation of the world, I think there's not a lot of peace right now. I mean, you got Russia that are trying their best to destroy Ukraine and, and all the innocent civilians who have had to leave that country or they're getting caught in the crossfire. or It's just awful. You have China threatening Taiwan. We've got North Korea. We've got Iraq. And, and, and you can just go on and on and on. And we say, this world is not very peaceful, domestically or internationally. This world is not very peaceful. But my king, Jesus, is the prince of peace. Amen. The prince of peace. And I live in his world. Oh yeah, I exist in this reality, but I really live under the, the rule of king 
Jesus. I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. And can I have peace on the inside during all of this? I'll tell you this. My sermon today will depress you quite thoroughly if you don't put your trust in King Jesus. Right? We have described reality, and reality is not so good. But on the inside, I can have that perfect peace through Jesus Christ, who is the Prince of Peace. And one day, he will rule this world. And there will be peace. I look forward to that day. But until then, I know that Christ, as my Lord, can bring peace in my heart and in my mind. One writer in the New Testament said that let his peace guard and keep our hearts and our minds. Guard and keep our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And when I think about that phrase... Guard, I think about somebody on the basketball court guarding someone. If I didn't think I would look really ridiculous right now, I would bend my knees and I would put my hands out and I would shuffle like a defender. Brad, you want to come up and show? No, you don't have to. but, But think about an aggressive defender on the basketball court, right? And they say, no, you're not getting that pass. That ball's coming. You're not going there. You're not getting that. And I think about that assertive defensive player, and then I think about that scripture when he says, Christ will guard and will keep my heart and my mind in his peace. And that's what he's trying to do if we allow him to be the Lord of our life. When those troubling thoughts come, he'll say, no, no, no. But too many times we take the pass anyway. He's saying no, no, no. And we say, nah, let me take it. I want to worry a little bit. (laughs) I'm I'm the only one that does that. Or we step around him and we say, I'm going to try it myself. Why don't we let the Prince of Peace guard and keep our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus? I think Christian peace, believer's peace, is not the absence of disturbance, but it's the peace on the inside that comes through knowing Jesus Christ. My closing scripture this morning is a really good one to transition us as we're starting to head into Christmas at NCOG. Isaiah 9 and 6. For unto us, everybody say us. Nah, let's say this, say me. Everybody say me. Because he was given to you, he was given to me. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given And the government, the society, all of these things, the economy, everything that I've been preaching about today shall be up on his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of, Prince of what? Peace. The Prince of Peace. Now, as your pastor and as a preacher here this morning, I'm not exactly sure if this story totally fits at the end or not. Can I just be honest with you? You can listen. You can tell me in the lobby. You can say, ah, mm, didn't fit or not. But I just felt like I needed to share it this morning. It did feel like the heart of it connects to the heart I'm trying to convey today. But last week, it was Thursday, I guess it was. Had to go to Roanoke, had to go to a vital initiative board meeting there at the state office. And there's a retired evangelist and pastor in our church. His name is Brother James Walker. I know Brother and Sister Allison know him very well. He's 94 years old. 
And he was a big part of our early life and just a wonderful, wonderful godly man. When our children were born, he came by the hospital and visited us. And one time Isaac was climbing up a chester drawer and it flipped over on top of him and Donna rushed him to the ER just to make sure he was okay. And you know, lo and behold, who comes through the ER but Brother Walker. He, re- he was re- long retired by then, but came through and checked on us that night and make sure everything was okay. But I heard that Brother Walker was very, very sick. And in fact, Brother Walker has a, he's in palliative care, hospice-type care. And he's up on the, I think it's the third floor at, UV, uh, at VA Hospital, VA Hospital there in Salem, so I thought, I, I, I'm at this board meeting, and I, I asked a couple of the other pastors if they'd like to go with me, and they said they would. And, and so we said, we're going to go, and we're going to visit Brother Walker today. And so we went there to the, to the VA hospital, and we went up to the room, and I walked in and saw this 94-year-old man, soldier of, of Christianity, soldier of the cross, just a hard, hard worker all of his life for the cause of the gospel. And there he lays with his little hospital gown on. You know, you can get those pictures. You've been in and out of those rooms, little hospital gown. And had the sheets up on him and a little military emblem on the sheets because he's there at the, at the VA hospital. A little blood kept coming, stained down the side of his face because he's, he's bleeding out of the mouth. And he says, brothers, pray for me that this bleeding will stop. And he was constantly clotting that blood, but a little coming down and had his glasses on. He's asleep when we came in, and, but he stirred up pretty quickly. Not in a good condition right there, and unless he has a miracle, he looked at us at one point and he said, he said, brothers, I don't know if you know this or not, but they sent me here to die. They sent me here to die. At one point, he pointed at the wall, and there's a picture of me and my wife, his wife Gay, who left this world a few years ago, but there they were at their 50th anniversary, happier times and beautiful people and beautiful picture. Stacks of cards all over the room that people had sent him and lining the windowsill. And there he was, but not in a good shape. But he began to stir and became very alert and began to talk to us. If we had thought that we would need to be prepared to say very much, we didn't need to be prepared to say anything. We got ministered to that day. These young whippersnapper pastors who were in the room, the other gentlemen, both of them around my age, and we were ministered to that day. We stood there and he just began to talk and he began to share about the goodness of God and about the faithfulness of God. He began to share about how he was that close to being an alcoholic before he gave his heart and his life to the Lord and he would get to parts that he was kind of ashamed of. And his voice would kind of, you know, talk like that. You could tell the, the regret. He said, I didn't know how my wife dealt with me. But he talked about how she was glor- gloriously saved. And then how he was gloriously saved. And then he talked about how he was sitting on the front pew of a church one time. And the evangelist was preaching. And he said the Holy Spirit impressed on his mind and said, you could do that. You could do that. He said, no, I I can't do that. I can't do that, God. But the Lord began to deal with him, and he began to preach, and he had a very fruitful ministry. He had revival sometimes that would break. They would say the old term, the revival has broken. It broke. 
And he said it would go four weeks, five weeks, six weeks. He talked about doing two back-to-back extended revivals only to turn around, get in the car, and drive to another church and start another revival. He talked about the power of God and the faithfulness of God and the moving of God. And, and can I tell you, I cannot put it to words to you. I really can't. I wish I could. I, I, tried, to, I, I tried to write it all down. I, I wrote out a little devotional uh, in a notebook the next day. I tried to write it down and process all of, all of this. But as I stood in that room, a man of 94 years, a man that unless he has a miracle will leave this world. But the peace, the peace of God that I felt in that room. That 94-year-old man that unless God performs a miracle that will be in eternity. His body's not producing any more blood. That's what's wrong with him. Some kind of rare blood disease. But he ministered to us. The other pastor messaged me after he got home and he said, as soon as I got home, he said, I went over to the church and I went in the sanctuary and I prayed and I spent some time with God. I caught a glimpse, I believe, of eternity. I caught a glimpse of what it really means to believe God and trust God. I mean, I'm telling you, if you can lay in the hospital with your mouth bleeding and you've been told that you are going to die unless you have a miracle and you can still preach about the goodness and the faithfulness and the power of God, that says something about our faith. He said that he led one person recently to the Lord over the phone. He pointed a little chair that was in the corner of his room and he said, a 70-year-old lady sat right there the other day and I led her to the Lord and she gave her heart to the Lord. I think Brother Walker has something that is real. I think he knows somebody who is real. I think when I preach about the Lord of Lords, I think I'm preaching that he, this man that I love dearly, made Jesus Christ the Lord of his life. And I ask us this morning, are we really trusting Christ? I mean, do we have that kind of faith? As odd as it sounds, Standing in an atmosphere that you would have thought would have been very depressing. In my heart and my mind, I think, I wish I could go back. I wish I could go right back to that room and, and stand right there in that room. But I want to tell you this morning, our faith is real. Do you hear me this morning? Our faith is real. When I say Jesus Christ brings us all the principles for living, when I say Jesus Christ is our provision, when I say Jesus Christ is our peace, when I say those things, I'm not telling a fairy tale this morning. I'm not just making up something. I'm not just preaching something to say, well, we'll help our, our little minds feel a little bit better today. Or, or No, I'm preaching the truth of the gospel. Jesus is real. Our hope is real. Is he the king of kings and the Lord of lords in your life? Brother Walker looked at us and said, I'm believing God's going to heal me. I said, amen, brother. I mean, why not at that point? Why not? You've believed God all your life. Why not go ahead and just believe him then? A little bit later, he said, I still believe the Lord has something for me to do. Can you imagine that? I still believe the Lord has something left for me to do. It wouldn't surprise me if some more of those hospital workers give their hearts to the Lord because of what's happening in that little room there at the VA hospital. 
Now, I'm not preaching to put my friend and, I guess, hero of the faith up on a pedestal this morning, but I hope it inspires us. I hope it inspires us. I think we can live well and we can finish well. And we can put our hope in him. And and until he decides to take us home, we can be faithful to him. Would you stand with me this morning? If they want to come and get in place, and I'll tell you what, let's, let's do this morning. If you would permit me to do so, why don't we do something just a little differently today? Could I have Pastor and Sister Allison, would you guys come up and, and stand? These are our prayer and care pastors. Everybody know Pastor Allison, Sister Allison? <laughs> don't we appreciate them? Can you give them a good hand of appreciation? Now, you know, we had a, just a wonderful time of prayer last week. I want to invite you. Would, would you come? We're all friends and relatives and church folks and the body of Christ this morning. Would you come and just gather around this altar with, with them and with me today and with the Holy Spirit? Would you just come and, come and join us up here? Today. We're going into the holiday season and the Thanksgiving season. There's a lot of trouble on every side and a lot of this and that. But I still believe in praying for one another. And I, I think that they've done it a few times before. But I'm just going to ask them to, to take a little bit of liberty this morning with, with us. And Would you just pray for each other, pray for one another. And, and do you all mind to just circle around and, and pray with these brothers and sisters, Pastor? I'm putting them on the spot. I didn't tell them about this, but I, I, somehow I just know they can do it. <laughs> can you all just mingle around this altar and pray over these people? And Would you just lift your hands to the Lord? Maybe put your hand on somebody's shoulder, grab, grab a hand beside you, and pray one for another this morning. Pray one for another today. Many needs in this altar. Many needs around today. But our Lord is a healer. Some of you need a healing. Some of you need the Lord to just heal you today. Some of you need a peace that passes all understanding. Some of you might be mourning. But he wants to give you a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Some of you have family members that need a touch from the Lord. Some of you have family members that are seemingly just growing further and further away from the Lord, but put them in God's hands this morning. Some of you, you're you're just disappointed. Things are just not working out, or you're still with the same old situation over and over and over again. But there is peace from the Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Let him touch you this morning. Let him encourage you this morning.